Welcome to the Competitive 40K Podcast, brought to you by Vanguard Tactics, 40K Codex Analysis, List Building, Strategy Development, Game Theory, Mentoring. Our mission, to help you become a better player and to raise the level of the game both on and off the tabletop. Here's your host, Stephen Box. Hey guys, and welcome to Vanguard Tactics. This is episode number 15, and I'm your host, Stephen Box. And today I'm joined with Jack. How are you doing, Jack? Stephen, I'm all good. Thank you for having me back again. Mate, you don't need to say that anymore, mate. You're just, you're just here, okay? <laughs> part of the furniture. That's it, mate. You're part of the furniture. So we've got a very exciting podcast lined up for you today. And if you're listening to it, you probably already know what this show is going to be all about. I'm extremely excited to talk about it. And that is, we're going to be discussing all things Blood Angels. Yeah, I can't wait to get diving into this episode, really, because obviously the book's just come out, hasn't it, Jack? Yeah, yeah, the book came out um, on pre-order last week, wasn't it, um, for a full release for this Saturday, as of date of recording. And um, they were very good in 8th edition. I liked the rule set that they had, and uh, it'd be interesting to explore this new supplement with you and discuss it and see where we think they uh, they lie between 8th edition and 9th edition. Yeah, absolutely. And also we have, just as a kind of quick announcement, um, so depending on when you're listening to this, but you may be able to get a recording of it, um, I am hosting a Blood Angels Masterclass on Sunday, the 6th of December at 2pm. And we're going to be covering, or I'm going to be covering a whole host of different topics. Um, I'm going to be looking at some of the strengths and weaknesses with the Blood Angels, and then also how you start to construct an army and a game-winning strategy for the Blood Angels. Uh, so I'm going to go into a lot more detail into actually how you play the Blood Angels and also potentially some faults or problems where it might uh, suffer in, you know, if you are going up against Blood Angels, some some things to kind of look out for. But that's going to be, yeah, completely free. And if you want access to that masterclass, all you need to do is head over to the blog page, which is www.vanguardtactics.com forward slash blog forward slash S2 EP15. And you can sign up for that. Um, yeah, correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, but the masterclass is definitely building on top of the content that we're covering today, aren't we? We're going to give a, a broad overview of what's in the supplement, but that masterclass is when you'll start digging into a bit more details and uh, as, as you kind of described there. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. That's it. This is kind of your overview, like we've done with the Space Wolves and uh, the Death Watch, um, you know, covering some key aspects that you need to know about. Uh, but I'm going to be looking at, you know, how do those things kind of interact on the table? And then over on the Academy, I'm going to take that to another stage, showing you exactly how to start deploying the Blood Angel list, um, how to go up against every single other faction. I've made a cheat sheet uh, for the guys on the Academy so that you know pertinent questions that you need to ask ask your opponent if you're a Blood Angel player and obviously there's those things in each army that could potentially be a bit of a thorn in the side for the Blood Angels so I've done a full analysis of that so it's going to be free masterclass about an hour and a half I'll take some questions at the end and then um, we're going to move over to you know more content over on the academy and if you want to sign up for that we've got a seven day trial at the moment for $2.99 um, all part of the Black Friday kind of Cyber Monday Blood Angel special. So um, you can check that out as well. And all the sort of access to that is on the blog page. Um, the other thing as well is we're going to have a stream game of the Blood Angels straight after the Masterclass. So um, if you want to see the Blood Angels in action, um, I'm going to be going up against Joe. I don't know what Army's bringing against me yet, but um, yeah, it's going to be something. And that will be over on the YouTube channel of Vanguard Tactics. So you, can awesome. check out, you can check out the stream as well. Yeah. 
So um, that's kind of introducing what we're doing today. But uh, we got a bit of housekeeping, haven't we, from uh, from our last podcast with the Space Wolves because someone uh, made a couple of errors, didn't they? That I did. That I did. Uh, I think, think we need an apology to the listeners on this one. And uh, if you'd like to correct your mistakes, Mr. Box, that would be much appreciated. Yeah. And I'll, yeah. So I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put my hand up and say, look, it was my mistake on this one. I said Savage Echoes and I should have been saying Savage Fury. And I, I apologize to all the Space Wolf players out there, but you know, I was just a sheep in a wolf's clothing uh, or a wolf in sheep's clothing, maybe whatever the, uh, maybe a, vamp- maybe a vampire in a sheep's clothing clothing i think is more appropriate i just had savage echoes on the brain but you know what i meant <laughs> the other thing as well i clearly couldn't even read the word unmodified fives in one of the stratagem where i thought oh they might get a plus one to get exploding fours they don't it's unmodified five pluses so um again we spoke about that and i was looking at the stratagem and i was i just couldn't see the word so apologies about that and also um if we didn't make it clear deeds are unlocked at the end of the phase not the turn so a uh, slight little change there so if i if we do get anything wrong uh, we'll use the podcast the week after to so, so do any housekeepings like at the end of the day like myself um you know in you jack we get like a week right to kind of dive as deep as we possibly can make yeah. our notes um, and we're trying to remember the rules for every single faction. So if we do get something wrong, please give us a little bit of a polite nudge on the YouTube, whatever. Hey, you might have just got this wrong. And there's different ways to interpret things as well. So um, some people have said, oh, no, that's not how this works. But that's one interpretation. Um, so until and the great thing is by about putting these podcasts out, um, if Games Workshop listen, they'll be like, oh, that clearly needs FAQing if it's been interpreted not in a way that we're intending it. So this does have some power in a way that can hopefully influence FAQs and things like that. So, um, yeah, interpretations we probably won't cover necessarily unless it's really important that we do. But anyway, we will use the show to keep you up to date on everything. So anyway, let's move on. We don't want to talk about Space Wolves. No, don't them to death. Let's, let's get on to... The boys in red, the boys in gold. So it's a question for you, Steve. So why are the Blood Angels so special to you? Um, yeah, so obviously... Go on, what you can say? I said that they have a key place in your heart. I've felt the rough of them in the playtesting and on the tournament scene. So I know full well how, how you like them and how you play them on the tabletop. And, and you are great to play against and watch uh, to play with the Blood Angels as well. So I'll be interested to understand why, why they stand out to you so much. Yeah, I think the Blood Angels for me are an army in which really highlights me as a player. Um, If there was a play style that I thought, yeah, that's me, it is definitely the Blood Angels. Um, From an aesthetic point of view, you know, I used to be a professional bodybuilder. So when you've got Sanguinary Guard looking like the way that they do, it just, you know, you've got that sort of symmetry there that I was trying my hardest to try and achieve myself so when I can just paint them gold and put a wash on I'm like yeah these guys are yeah these are the ones for me so they've got a certain aesthetic appeal that I like the play style is incredible um, and I took them to the LVO um, I was going to take Eldar at the time this is back in literally a year ago we were going through all the play testing I was like I've got a good Eldar list we were playing that. And then I just threw Blood Angels on the table, didn't I? It was a bit of a joke because of Psychic Awakening. And I was like, no, okay, these guys have got play. And uh, took them to the LVO. Didn't quite get the result I wanted. In in reflection, I should have been hotter on my game. There was a few mistakes I'd made. 
come back from that, certainly learned from my mistakes. And uh, I really felt like I got my teeth stuck into the Blood Angels after that. And um, yeah, just sort of really enjoyed them ever since, really. Okay, no, cool. And um, you say you touched still to the LVO, but I know um, you've, you've, you've gone to quite a few tournaments, had some very good success with these boys, haven't you? So uh, give us a bit of a bit of a background on your uh, on your results with the, with the Blood Angels. Yeah, so the first one after the LVO was Beachhead, which was a 100-man six-event GT down in Bournemouth. That was um, actually put on by Foreground and Entoyment, um, you know, our sponsors of the show. So thank you very much for those guys. Um, and I went five in one, losing to Vic Vijay, who's a great player, um, who actually went on to win the tournament. And he was running the Iron Hands like... The same list of one LVO, wasn't it? That's when the Iron Hands were causing absolute mayhem at their peak. Yeah. And um, Vic played a great game and yet deserved the victory. So, uh, but that put me I think at fifth place which scored me some really big ITC points going five and one um, at you know a hundred man event um, I then went to greetings from the warp another GT and that's when I faced off against you and Jonesy <laughs> yeah that was a good weekend that one yeah pulled the win out of that one um, your get mine in your game was just an absolute nail biter <laughs> wasn't it it was a, it, it was absolutely quite I think um, the games that I played against you and Ben were some of my favourite games of Warhammer ever played, I think. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Um, my last game in that tournament was the fastest game of 40k I've ever played. And uh, I'm glad that they've actually changed the rules now so that you can't just table your opponent and the game's over. Because well, I was playing against a Grey Knight player, Ken, we've played before, super nice guy. And um, the Death Company just did what Death Company do best and uh, got rid of half of his Grey Knights that were on the table and the rest in reserve just didn't have time to come down. So... It was a very quick ending, unfortunately, for the Grey Knights, but um, that was the strategy Ken went with and didn't, I think, appreciate how much damage the Death Company could do at the time. So then, what other events did I do? I did a Hampshire Hammer event, which was like 100 or I think, like six, no, it wasn't 100. I think it was an 80-man RTT, huge RTT it was. Um, Three games, but because of how many people were there, I scored some really big points as I won that event. Um, And then... And then I did another event uh, more recently, uh, before the recent restrictions with COVID, um, and won that RTT as well. So they, they're they my four results that um, have, got, have gone into the bank for me for uh, being the ranking that I am of Blood Angels at the moment in the ITC ranking. So hopefully I can put an even better showing in in the next season when obviously COVID starts to calm down a bit. Absolutely. So um, that's just a bit of background on that. And um, it kind of shows that Blood Angels can play. Uh, they could compete with the best um, lists out there. So it's an interesting bit of feedback there. Um, so I just want to cover a bit of uh, you know, the paperwork that you need to play play the Blood Angels. So like um, because of the revamp of the Space Marine Codex, uh, you need the core Space Marine Codex because Blood Angels get full access to everything within there, you know, units, stratagems, warlord traits, etc. You need your Blood Angels Codex Supplement as well, which is the, the new book coming out uh, this Saturday. And if you fancied any Forge World units, there's the Imperial Armour Compendium. I think I've got Compendium right. Um, so those are the three books that you uh, that you may need. You certainly need the first two with the, the Space Marine Codex and Blood Angels Supplement. Yeah. So we've got our books in our hands. So why play Blood Angels? Yeah, so I think the um, if we're going to look at them as a unique faction, what makes them unique? And it's their, 
their chapter tactic is called the Red Thirst. And their Red Thirst gives you two abilities. One of them is plus one to your advance and charge rolls, um, which is fantastic, making those eight-inch charges from Deep Strike, which is nice. And also the plus one advance really comes in handy as well for a, you know for what is a speed and mobility-based army. And then also the biggest one is plus one to wound in combat when you are charging or charged or heroically intervened, basically. So, um, yeah, very, very strong combat-based ability. So your first ability is all about movement. And then also the second one there is all about, um, you know, combat. And then their super doctrine is Savage Echoes, guys, the actual Savage <laughs> Echoes. Um, and basically when you get to the assault doctrine, um, you get to get an additional attack, which is amazing on your characteristic. Yeah, so turn three, these boys get very nasty. The plus one to wound is such an incredible ability in combat. Don't underestimate that ability. It's um, it's so good. It's probably the reason why you wouldn't even consider a successor chapter with these. Would, would you agree? Yeah, I mean, you've got the Flesh Terrors, which are a successor, which uh, get Fury within, which is plus one to wound when charging. Uh, so they still get that. And they get an additional yeah. AP on a six in combat um, when you when you wound on a six. But I think out of the two, I'm going to take the plus one advance and plus one charge every single day of the week. Yeah, I was, um, I was referring to, because you, you can now pick up successor traits from the Space Marine Codex, but then you'd start to lose the plus one to wound. The Flesh Terrors, I still think... If you had that, if you like the um, the aesthetic of them, still have play because they keep that important part, the plus one to wound, and the extra AP on sixes could become useful. But I think um, that, that that Blood Angels chapter tactic is so strong for additional movement to help you get your delivery into combat and then that extra punching combat. So it's a perfect combo. Yeah, and also, you know, some of this uh, Blood Angel characters are so good. You know, in, yeah. in the Blood Angel relics as well. So that then you start to limit yourself which Blood Angel relics you can mm-hmm. take. So for me, I'm never really, I, I, I don't really, I, I do prefer a normal, regular chapter rather than the successor, but I see why they're there and each to their own. And there's some cool combos. But for me, Blood Angels, you paint them red, gold, and black, and, and that's how you roll. So then I suppose we should move on to what else the Blood Angels get, right, from this new book. Yeah, so they get uh, lots of um, new relic stratagems. Um, they got access to some additional secondaries. They've got their psychic discipline, warlord traits, which we'll cover in a bit more detail uh, in a minute. But the, the black range has had a, it's a slight tweak, hasn't it, on how that operates on the table, and it's uh, made it more fitting with ninth edition. Yeah, so Black Rage used to be just plus one attack on the charge and also six plus fill no pain. That's remained, uh, but now uh, there's a con to it. And basically, um, any, any unit with the Black Rage cannot fall back and it cannot do an action. So, um, which is a bit more fitting with the lore as well with the Death Company. Um, they just want to run forward and absolutely smash things. There are some new cool upgrade things called Death Visions, which characters can take, um, and they basically get a an ability that they can pick one of three, um, which are cool. Um, and I think if you're having a narrative game, they're good. Uh, but I think they're too situational to rely on it a competitive way. So we probably won't cover that in this episode. I mean, we could talk about Blood Angels all day with all the different interactions, but I, I just don't feel like they are the competitive way forward uh, because you can't give them warlord traits and things. So um, you start to inhibit yourself a little bit uh, just for kind of what could be a situational um, like there's one of them which is you and your opponent roll off and if you win you do d3 plus three mortal wounds which you know there's 
but you can't attack and stuff. It's, um, again, I kind of read it briefly and I thought, I'm probably not going to use that. Anything where there's a situation which may or may not go my way, I'm not going to really look at it because I always want to play a consistent, repetitive play style. Okay, cool. What access to what what special units and uh, is there any limitations to what units Blood Angels can take from the Space Marine Codex? Well, this time, obviously, we had some interactions last time with the uh, Space Wolves and Death Watch, but now Blood Angels get full access to everything in that Space Marine Codex. Um, the slight change is that apothecaries for us are actually sanguinary priests, which are better anyway. So that's, um, you know, fantastic upgrade of an apothecary. Um, the other thing as well is we also get the Blood Angel characters, which are incredible. Some of their rules are absolutely brilliant. Um, we get the Sanguinary Guards, Sanguinary Ancients. We get the Death Company that I already mentioned, um, Death Company Dreadnoughts, Librarian Dreadnoughts, and also Bull Predators. Uh, so that's pretty much our unique access to different units that you're only going to find in this book, which they're just incredible. You can You can take this army in many different ways, and I really feel like there's some good level of play there. And if you're, you know, if you want to become a good Blood Angel player, you know, you need to be able to master this, the sort of combat phase and the movement phase. And these units kind of really lean into those. Yeah, I think what I like about the supplement, and um, to be fair, it, it, the idea kind of came through in Psychic Awakening. Those unique units, if all the rules are kind of geared up to encourage you to take them which for me is absolutely great. You almost want, like, must take Sangre Guard. You really want to get the Death Company in there because there's cool tricks and combos and stuff that you can use, which, you know, for, for all of us eagerly awaiting your Codex or Codex Supplement, it's, it's great to see. You know, these are the units that you probably picked the, um, the chapter in the first place. So I'm glad that that's been supported with a solid set of rules to go behind it. You know, exactly. It's what makes, you know, the Sanguinary Guard stand out to me. But, you know, you could be looking at it and thinking, right, Death Company are great. Ironically, there was a lot of hate towards me taking Death Company um, in my last ninth edition list. Everyone's like, oh, they're rubbish. They die too quickly. They die to a stiff breeze or whatever. And, you know, I, I didn't really feel that. I actually felt the Death Company were brilliant. Um, and I, I still think I, they got real good now. Every time, every time I've played you, I've felt a lot more comfortable deploying when I, there's no death company on the board, which is one of their unique um, abilities. And it should not be underestimated, in my opinion. That ability to come flying out the blocks on turn one, especially not knowing who's going to go first these days as well, it can really manipulate your your opponent's deployment. And I think it's, um, for that reason alone, I, if I was running Blood Angels, I'd always have a unit of Death Company to give me that option up my sleeve and my opponent has to play against it. Yeah, no, I, I think they are, they're just incredible. Like, just a really good unit. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what else I can say about them, really. Um, you know, and also they've got some huge buffs now um, in this book. You know, the biggest one of all is that they've got an extra wound so uh, you're just yeah. re your regular death company with uh, jump packs, obviously. You, you know, there's, it's the only way to run death company, in my opinion, is with a jump pack. You know, they've got great weapon options. Um, they did lose how many models you can take. So you can only take up to 10 rather than 15. Uh, they, can, they can't take a bolt gun anymore. Um, not that that's a huge loss. But yeah, I think... But the, the reduction of unit size is probably fair because, you know, before it was 15 wounds total but now it's 20 wounds across 10 models 
So if you had the 15 models, 30 wounds can fly into your face, I think. I think that's a good trade-off, I think. The two-wound death company is probably more resilient in numbers of 10 than the one-wound 15-man block. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. And, um, you know, there's one of the stratagems which we'll talk about later just makes these guys brilliant. So, yeah. yeah, death company uh, cool. is certainly a, good, a great option. Um, and we can talk about some of the other, you know, things that we can buff them and get leverage out of them but you're right like there's some so many unique aspects here um you know you just go through the list of characters you've got commander dante who everyone said oh no he's no good he's no good and i've been trying to find for ages a reason to take dante and he's in my list he's an absolute for me he's an auto include now um you know you've got the sanguinor who i used to you know have in every single list and it's got some great rules um he's got one of the most interesting rules i think out there um you know he is able to not only charge when he fell back but he can also perform a heroic intervention six inches and he's got something called the uh miraculous saver at the end of the heroic intervention step of your opponent's charge phase if this model has not been set up on the battlefield and if any units finished a charge move within engagement range of any friendly blood angel units this phase you can set up this model in engagement range of one of those enemy units and it counts as performing a heroic intervention so he can basically heroically intervene from deep strike incredible love it and it doesn't say um you know that could be turn one by the way this is written so uh yeah absolutely brilliant I think that particular thing's out for debate um, on the turn one thing. It's, it'll need FAQ, but um, I think there's there's discussion about because he's set up in reinforcements and there's no other workaround to break the coming in on turn one for reinforcements. They might not be able to do it, um, but it could easily be one of the one or two interpretations there. So let's let GW hopefully get an FAQ out on that um, just to, to, to clean that up a little bit so we know exactly what we're dealing with. Yeah, no, I think that's, you know, yeah, you're absolutely right there. Same with the Incarn, isn't it, really? Um, it's got a similar sort of ability when someone yeah. dies, it obviously uh, appears. Uh, but yeah, I'd be good to... So, I mean, that is a fantastic unit. You've got, um, you know, I could go into, like, really detail, and I will on the Masterclass why I'm picking every, yes. sing yeah. every single aspect I am in the list, but Corbolo, Brother Corbolo, if you can get him up the field, he's excellent. He basically puts literally um you know your whole army into assault doctrine so uh yep yeah, that's incredible cool yeah and um lots of good and scary stuff in there which i'm sure you'll break down the pros and cons about and who makes the final cut in your list that you're looking at so let's talk about play style how would you describe the play style of the blood angels yeah so the the play style for me um is one that is I kind of summarize this like a take and hold. So what you're going to do with the Blood Angels is it's very fast-paced mobile units, extremely aggressive combat. Uh, they've got good board control because of their, you know, durable units, uh, you know, Sanguinary Guard, two-up save, the Death Company with a feel-no-pain, Vanguard Vets with Storm Shields. Um, it's fast, it hits hard, and the goal of it is to basically bully your opponent off their objectives. Um, and that's how it scores the primary. So, uh, yeah, like a kind of taking hold aggressive combat list is where if you're leaning into that as a Blood Angel player, you know, you're going to do very, very well. Um, and you'll see the word jump pack um, sort of <laughs> pop up a lot. And if you were to put the book into one of those word cloud generators, I think jump pack <laughs> would be massive and it would be right in the middle. Um, 
So yeah, you'd probably see combat, melee, jump pack. That's what it would be. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, say no more really. Yeah, I think all the key words you kind of picked up and described in that play style, it's, um, it's similar to Space Wolves in the fact that uh, they that those abilities and styles suits knife edition so well. Um, so um, Blood Angel players, you should, you're looking in a good place because your natural play style that the army wants to play plays the rules that well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, it, it really interacts around terrain really well as well, which the space will suffer with a little bit. So I think that's a slight advantage yeah. there with the heavier terrain set that we're playing on in ninth edition. The Blood Angels are a uh, fierce opponent, I think, yeah. I'm not a bitter towel player by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> <laughs> moving, moving swiftly on. So we've got some new relics. Do you want to pick out a few of your favourites in there? Yeah, I mean, these are just the four um, that I really like from the book. And obviously there's still some great ones in the Space Marine Codex that you might consider. Uh, but for me, the the reason why I like relics, water traits, powers, um, and this is something I'm going to go into a lot of detail on that masterclass, is when we look at something called a SWOT analysis, you analyse the, the strengths of the army's um, sort of units, playstyles, etc., um, so we're going to look at the strength of the book. We're then going to look at some of the weaknesses to that uh, or to the book. We're then going to be looking at some opportunities that we have. And uh, we then have some threats that, you know, we need to consider when we're on the tabletop. And then also that gives us a result based outcome. And I really like relics, powers, water traits, etc., because that gives us opportunities to fulfill gaps in the list. Um, or to solve little problems for us. So, for example, um, Icon of the Angel solves the fact that you might fail a charge. So it gives you reroll charges within six. Um, so it has slightly changed um, from the previous book to this book. It used to be you could reroll any of the dice. Now you have to reroll both dice, but it did used to be before a three inch aura and now it is a six inch aura. So um, it has slightly changed, but again, still very good to get reroll charges as an aura on a character. I know it's great. And I think it's, it's really good point that you raised there about that subtle change is that you know, i guess in the name of the relics exactly the same yeah the core ability is exactly the same but that little subtle change makes it it's a slight nerf let's be honest like re-rolling any dice is incredible for re-rolling charges so they have, it's been toned down slightly it's still a very good relic and when you are reliant on making charges it's in the auto include or next to the auto include selection. But it's important just to read that fine wording. Yes, it may, it looks, it's on paper at first glance, it looks exactly the same, doesn't it? But actually, that little sort of change, is just it just changes use. And just, just be careful when you're looking at relics, wall or traits, wherever it is, stratagems that have carried over from a previous book. Just double check that wording, check that fine print to make sure that you've interpreted it correctly and it's not had a little tweak like that one. Yeah, no, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, and great sort of housekeeping there. Uh, for all those types of things. So the next one is called Quake Bolts. Um, and this is a really nice relic where you put it on a bolt gun, you make your shot, and if you hit, you get plus one to hit in combat against that unit. So any units that go into it, you get plus one to hit, which is excellent. So uh, really makes units with things like power fists, thunder hammers that are naturally obviously minus one to hit. You can go back to hitting on your normal um, weapon skill. And uh, uh, the change in how chapter master reroll works as well getting plus one to hit on a unit means that 
you, they'll be hitting on twos, say with chainsaws, for example, and they could be re-rolling ones for a captain, and they could send your unit with a chapter master re-rolls into another unit that, ha- that you haven't shot the Quaker bolts at. So then all of a sudden, your twos re-rolling on one unit, and then you'll be threes re-rolling on, a, on another unit, on, of an opponent's unit. So you can gain those efficiencies that way. It's, it's not as easy and straightforward as it was back in 9th edition, which I think it was too easy. And But then these little combos and things that you could stack up and use in the game, it's just uh, a good way of retaining your efficiency. Yeah, I know, I agree. And I think the like we had with the Death Watch, HQs for this army are... Uh, it's, it's, it's very competitive, yeah, for wh- which three HQs you take. Uh, I mean, obviously you can take more, but you don't want to be wasting CPs on other detachments, in my opinion. So I think you need to be hard on yourself. You take three, um, and that one there, again, I'll cover in more detail on the Masterclass why he is so clutch. Um, so yeah, really like that relic. Uh, the next one is called the Wrath of Baal, and this is for your sanguinary ancient. I think it is a banner that only he can take. Um, and basically, this gives you, with an aura again, um, this gives you plus two move to your um, jump pack units. Incredible. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. It, it's for the sanguinary ancient model only. Um, and the sanguinary ancient works very much like a sort of chapter ancient he gives you the plus one to hit on a unit um and you can sort of shoot in death and all those things so he's had a slight change the ancient he used to give you reroll ones to wound he doesn't do that anymore unfortunately uh, that was really nice because he was like your combat lieutenant uh, so his rules have changed ever so slightly but um yeah basically if you make a normal move advance or fall back you add two to the movement characteristic until the end of that phase so jump pack models now your sanguinary guard and your death company and all your characters um because it is friendly jump pack unit not core unit so it does affect characters as ah, well okay, good. um good. and also death company still retain the core keyword uh so they're moving 14 inches and this was a relic that i took to the lvo uh it's why i took double sanguinary ancient at the time and it was so that i could basically take both the standard of sacrifice which unfortunately we've lost it's no longer in this book Oh, I'm not in any crying about that relic. I'm not interested, Stephen. I'm crying about you it. You know my thoughts on that. <laughs> that was a great relic. Um, <laughs> Huddle, the uh, the ancient banner, um, <laughs> yeah. that got me out of many a tight spots. Anyway, um, so yeah, that's gone. Um, but uh, yeah, this plus two move, you know, with a 14-inch move now on a smaller board edge, I mean, with a plus one to your advance as well. So even if you roll a one on your advance roll, you're moving 16 inches turn one into some terrain to get yourself ready for that. You know, re- realistically with the Blood Angels, you're looking for a turn three charge. You're not looking for turn one. Um, you're not really even looking for turn two. You're looking for turn three charges, turn four charges, turn five charges. That's how the Blood Angel player wants to play. So um, getting that kind of plus two to your move just means that you can hit the terrain pieces you need. Uh, you know, maybe grab that objective, whatever it might be to really make sure that you're, you know, sealing the deal when it comes to those charges because if you can make up you know extra inches in your movement phase you don't need to roll those when it comes to your charge roll so actually it really helps in that aspect um so shall i move on to the last one my top my yeah let's pick out your last one yeah yeah so this one's called the visage or visage of death um i think that's what it's called anyway um and uh basically really visage visage of death should i say um each time an attack is made against a unit, subtract one from the attack hit roll, so basically minus one to hit, 
And that's melee attack, that is. And then also you gain the Visage of Death aura. So while enemy units are within three of this model, it loses the objective secured ability and any similar abilities that allow it to control an objective um, marker regardless of the number of models within range of that objective marker. So basically it goes, no, you're not holding that anymore, which is so Sorry. good. Uh, crack it, that's a cracking crack relic. So yeah, I, I really like all of them, to be honest. Those four that you picked out there, absolute quality. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to pick three, I, I isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think at the beginning of 8th edition, when we started getting relics and things like that, there, I think um, what you found in the competitive scene, every different type of list took the same relics because they were just standout choices, basically, wasn't there? there was, one or two, maybe a third that were heads and shoulders above any other relic in the book. They only saw the same relics. But now there's so many good relics. It's actually like an interesting choice to take um, because these are just four that you'd want to take in every army, isn't it? That's not factoring in the fact that you'd want to take potentially some from the Space Marine Codex as well. You're spoiled for choice, which is good. Yeah, it means that we're going to have, end up with diverse lists, not there's this, like, you look at some of the relics in the Admech book and you're looking at them like, what's the point? Why do I want a, a crazy yeah. combat axe on a unit that doesn't want any, you know, so GW yeah. are looking at this and they're obviously going, right, this solves that problem, this does this. So from a tactical point of view, um, it's all developing in the list stage, you know. So, you know, and many people go, Steve, I disagree. They're, the, they're not the top four relics. It will be, you know, extra armor save or it will be the extra damage on a thunder. I don't know. Or the, the thunder hammer that means you don't suffer minuses to hit or whatever. So they also they want to take their T for terror um, chainsword captain or whatever it might be and, and that's up to them you know and that's up to you if you're listening if you don't if you disagree with me yeah. um, you know and, you do you and to, and to be fair those are good those are good as well you know the Tifa Terra captain quality bit of kit if you want to plug in um, you know Thunder Hammer with no minuses because you lost your re-rolls again that's that's gained more value but um, it's not kind of in keeping in the way that you like to run your characters is it it's a general um, the general philosophy, which I'm guessing you'll cover a bit on that academy lesson and uh, on the um, no on the masterclass, yeah, and, uh, yeah, that's it, yeah, and, yeah, and you need to have a philosophy, I believe, as a um, when you are thinking about your list, you need to justify every single choice you make, and again, that's something that we teach on the academy, and we I drum into people every single week when I review their lists, I read their justification as to why they've taken things. Rather than just, can you review this list, Steve? We make you justify your choices because we we want to encourage critical thinking, um, and we really want people to feel comfortable, um, you know, at the tabletop. In in that actually starts in the list writing stages. So anyway, yeah, let's move on. Should we t cover the warlord traits? Yeah, let's move on. So, um, what are your initial thoughts or the ones that stood out to you? So I wasn't. I mean, I wasn't blown away by the warlord traits. Uh, okay. Not like I was with relics. Um, now there is a warlord trait that means you can take an extra relic, but it doesn't. It doesn't include any of the relics I actually want to take. So <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I'll be like, right, boys, we're loading up on relics. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't fit in there. But I've. I think I've come up with a workaround. I want to talk about with you. Um, actually, at some point in when we cover the stratagems. But anyway, so warlord traits. Um, the first one is. I mean, your main Blood Angel one is your character fights first, which fight first now is good. But I think there, th there are three better ones, and I'm going to cover what they are. So my top three are, number one, the Heroic Intervention 6 Inches. I mean, that is brilliant. Yep, Having a spicy meatball character just pop in and go, cool, I'm coming in, 6 inches away, oh. lovely. 
or or you know shifting an aura as well or any abilities that you may have you know if that's on your um three inch uh the guy that turns off obsec within three inch you could all you could uh you could find yourself caught out there couldn't you maybe a spoiler spoiler alert to one of your you know combos below but i think anything that extends heroic intervention is so good in a nice particular life edition or on my judicer maybe if i want an, an opponent to fight last yeah 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 nice yeah because now his aura's got smaller now he's in so yeah i, I really like that it's some Anytime you can gain free movement, I think you've got to look at it and go, okay, where do I use this? Because it's going to be good. The movement phase is where you win the game of 40k. Um, and I see the combat phase being an extension of a free move. So I like to use the combat phase as basically another movement phase. So the next one is called Heroic Bearing. And this gives you plus three inches to auras. Um, and this is for like your captains, your lieutenants, etc. So it gives you an extra extra three inch aura. This is the one that Dante comes with. Um, so his aura is nine oh, inches. Nice. So he's got chapter master rerolls at nine inches, and also reroll ones at nine inches, which you do need now because you cannot string out as you once could um, with obviously coherency. So you cannot string out the de- you know the sanguinary guard like I used to with two guys. I used to fight with five guys, trail two to three back because I needed to get within six inches of characters. Now I don't need to do that. I can pile them all in and get a nine inch aura. Brilliant. And like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, so with, I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. With one hand, you know, GW have taken and then they've given, you know, and I really like that. So, uh, <laughs> um, and it gives you a plus one leadership when, when you're taking big units like I am of Sanguinary Guard and Death Company, plus one leadership is helpful now, obviously to make sure that we're not suffering undue casualties from the uh, leadership phase. Um, anyway, so then the third one, you look at it and you go, do I need this? Do I need it? And, I, and I'm still torn and I'm going to, I think, six months with this army and I'll tell you whether it's worth it or not. Um, but this one could solve some problems. And again, it's a problem solver. It's an opportunity that the Blood Angels can take if you find in yourself uh, where this is becoming a problem. And it's a five plus fill no pain against mortal wounds. Um, and I think that's just in the psychic phase. I'm just going to sort of double check, but, um, it's, you know, absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Well, a friendly blood angel unit is within six of the warlord. Each time a model in that unit would lose a wound as a result of a mortal wound, um, roll a D six on a five plus it's not lost. So it's actually against all uh, it's an aura. It's an aura. Yep. So it's an aura okay. for friendly units within six. You know me, mate, if it's not an aura, I don't take it. Um, so yep, uh, yep. again, it's a five plus feel no pain against mortal wounds. So that's not from, so that could be psychic powers, but that could also be wrath of Mars. It could be the Necron shenanigan thing where they can do mortal wounds in the shooting phase. It could be mortal wounds from a Catan, um, because mortal wounds is one way to apt. And again, I'm going to cover this in more detail, so we're not going to go over it too much, but could yep. be a warlord trait you want to look at. I mean, I must admit when I read this originally, I was like, I just saw friendly within six, five plus and the wounds not lost. And I didn't, no, I just read the top line, bottom line. I was like, yes, standard <laughs> of sacrifice isn't even a standard. It's a warlord trait. Read it in more detail. And I was like, not as good, but still okay. So it's an option. Yeah, cool. hmm. And then you've obviously got the three other classics for me. Rights of war, objective secured, psychic mastery, plus one, the cast and the librarian, and also the old selfless healer on the apothecary. So those are all from the core space ring codex, aren't they? Yeah, you've dipped dipped your toe back into that just to to help pick up some of those potentially not as strong as the relics, the wall the wall or traits. So 
the nice way that they've built these books is that you've got the option to drop on to some solid warlord traits if none of those ones that we described in the Blood Angels book work for you. So happy days. Yeah, and I, you know, because the Sanguinary Priest has the apothecary keyword, so I'm assuming you can upgrade him to a master apothecary um, to get that sort of selfless healer warlord trait. So again, kind of that needs to be... Yeah, I would like... And in particular, so uh, I'm a Dark Angels player. Just to, I'd like them just to run a list of saying all these units, you know, the Ravenwing Apothecary, the Sanguinary Priest, etc., can all be upgraded to Master Apothecary. Same with the Chaplains and all that kind of stuff. Just and the Company Champions and all that thing. Because you look at it, you go, oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm pretty sure you're not you're not 100 confident, are you? Like I'm 99 sure I've got all the right keywords, but can I do it? I think the answer is yes. For me, I'll just like that, like a, just a quick one-page document just to clear it all up so I know exactly what I'm doing is correct and is intended of what's meant to happen. Yeah, and, and the thing is here, it says, like, when you look at it, it doesn't say that you can't. It says a Blood Angel's ancient character cannot be upgraded to an an- a chapter ancient because he's basically already won anyway. Um, but yeah. when it says the characters, you've got Captain, Chaplain, Tech Marine, Librarian, Apothecary, Ancient, Company Ancient, uh, sorry, Company Champion. Is that the keyword that you have or the actual name of the data sheet that you have to have? Because if it's the name of the data sheet, then you can't do it. But if it's the name of the keyword, you can do it. So, um, and then the chapter command keyword they gain is then Chief Apothecary for the extra 15 points. So anyway, I mean, you can... Do, let, it's difficult, isn't it? And I think for the moment, just agree it with your opponent. If you're not sure, email a TO and ask uh, prior to going to an event if it's something that you're thinking of doing. It's the right thing to do, but whether you can or can't, don't. it's no great shakes, I don't think. But um, yeah, that's what I want to know is in that little, there's a little sort of um, on page 98 of the Space Marine Codex, there's a little thing which has got the points and everything like that. Is that keyword or just um, name? Because it's not clear. But anyway, um, so that's one thing. Um, obviously, the you can just take a librarian with a jump pack or whoever. And, um, you know, can I take a librarian dreadnought and give him master? Can I make him a, you know, a special one? Who knows? But um, some some different things there. So, yeah, six good warlord traits, I think, to, to pick from. Cool. So, yeah, let's move on. Let's get uh, psychic powers. So the Blood Angels got their own discipline. Sorry, what was that? Um, is it is magic time? It's magic time, yeah. Guys, we've got a new soundboard. I've got to test it out. <laughs> yeah, psychic um, powers. Yeah. So, what are your thoughts? What? Well, I'm going to be. Con- are they? I'm going to be are, controversial. Are they better than they were before? Did they have a psychic discipline before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had. Oh yeah, of course they did. Yes, yes, of course they did. Sorry, I had a brain fart then. No worries, mate. Uh, I'll let you off. So I'm going to be controversial here, and I've only picked two that I like. Oh really? Yeah, and you know me, mate. I like my powers, but yeah, the sanguinary discipline is okay, but um. So you got Quicken in there, which is basically you add D3 attacks to your uh, Psyker. And a lot of people yeah, love yeah. Mephisto and a lot of people love a Libby Dread, right? Yeah. For me, I don't. So I don't like buffs that only affect the character. I like buffs that affect units. So I only like the Shield of Sanguinius, which is a 5 plus invulnerable save. It's got a casting value of 6 and an 18 inch uh, range on it, which I really like. Um, because then I can just, my Death Company... We'll talk about those, but a little cheeky combo later on. They can yeah, push, yeah, he can right. push forward, and then you can go, cool, 
guys, have a five plus and vulnerable save on me and then go and crack on and do your thing. So I enjoy that a lot. I don't need to be hugging my librarian to get that ability. It's just inbuilt, um, you know, on the unit as it flies away from the psychic phase. And then we've also got Unleash Rage, which um, used to be a... Additional attack, wasn't it? Used to be an additional attack. Now it's exploding sixes. So it's been to- it's been toned down a little bit, but I'm sure the mathematicians out there could probably work it out that it feels like you probably end up at the same, roughly the same place. You're still having a bucket load of a dive, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, your death company, let's just look at them. So you've got two base, you get plus one for a chainsaw, so that's three attacks. You get plus one for black rage, uh, which is four attacks. And then you get another attack, which is five for having uh, shock assault. So now that's five attacks. And then if you're in turn three, that's an additional attack, so that's six attacks. So if you roll six dice, you should roll a six, right? Yep. So that gives that's you additional attack. That gives you additional attack, yeah. But then there's a slight difference because you don't actually have to roll that attack. It just hits. Um, yes. Yeah. And uh, oh, oh, let me just double check. It's not, you don't actually have to re-roll it because um, that's important, whether it's you just get it or you re-roll it. Um, I would hazard a guess that it would be an automatic hit because I think that the general theme that I think they're trying to do is cut out additional dice rolls where possible. You are correct, yeah. So I think when you get to turn when you get to turn three, you're probably going to gain more attacks than just a plus one attack. But in the earlier turns, it probably works out mathematically slightly less. I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but I'm just going off some basics there. So it's roughly... In conclusion, if you have 10 death company charging on turn three, you need to get your bucket out, fill it with dice, and then roll it across the table. And that would probably be about right. Yeah, or you just go, (laughs) I'm actually, you're going to make me roll this. (laughs) Yeah. My tail fire warriors will stand up to this. I have no problem. <laughs> My five-man unit, yep. Uh, <laughs> we'll make you roll it on your clock. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clock you out, son. Get rolling. Oh, but I've only yeah. got 10. Unlucky, son. Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. So they're my, they're my two faves. The Quicken's oh, still in there. Um, you've got the old Blood Lance and um, Wings of Sanguinius in there. You know, uh, you, know you can, uh, if manifested, I, this, uh, go on. Uh, yeah, I, I like the wings quickening combo on a um, librarian dreadnought. I think it's uh, it's a nice bit of kit to have in the locker um, if that's your playstyle. I think it very much can have a place in the Blood Angels list still uh, if that suits your playstyle. Yeah, so if manifested, this psychic can make a normal move or fallback as if it were your movement phase. In addition, uh, until the end of that phase, this psycho has a move characteristic of 12 and can fly. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you can have a flying librarian dreadnought, but for me, it's just not making that, it's just not making the top, the top two, you know? And flying dreadnoughts is the reason I turned up tonight. <laughs> That's the title of the show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> With duty eternal built in. Thank you very much. Three of. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point, actually. Tasty. That's even better. Cool. Uh, so I'm just my my little cogs in my brain were turning then. Um, I like that. So let, let's let's move on before I get onto the um, get onto a retail shop and start ordering Blood Angels um, litanies. Maybe your dream of um, maybe your dreams finally come to of your dreadnought army. You go right dreadnought army. Yeah, triple librarian dreadnought. Yeah, take them. A lot of lot of consideration has gone into can the dreadnought army work now, but uh, I think that's a that's a topic for another day. I think. Yeah, rights of war warlord train. Yeah, all obsecs. I've got all obsec dreadnoughts. Right, three death company dreadnoughts. Yeah, they're in. Three feroso dreadnoughts. Yeah, they're in. Uh, yeah, go for it. Do it. Looks like it's my ironclad dreadnoughts in there as well. I'll be happy. 
Yeah, mate, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, cool. help, you, I'll right. help you paint it. You buy it. We're on it. All right? <laughs> Your painting desk is full of my models already. I think you need to choppy chop rather than painting up these lovely blood angels. Right, now moving on to litanies before you get a chance to reply to that. Yeah, so re-rolls, um, <laughs> obviously, re-roll misses. What's not to like about that, obviously? Um, All right. But that's reroll misses in combat, isn't it? Yeah, sorry, I should have specified that. In an aura, just your just your regular stock one that a chaplain gets, because the Blood Angels are very notorious for their chaplains. They've got two, um, you know, like basically special ones. You've got Ashtarath, who is an absolute beast, who's just got better. Um, you know, he had a once per game ability called Massive Doom. Now it's just a litany, so you can do it every turn. Um, so you basically, once it goes off, you roll a dice on a one. I think one of the models is slain from the unit. Or what you can do is just, you know, use the stratagem to auto-pass it. Um, yeah, and basically roll a dice. Um, so you can auto-pass the litany, but then obviously you'd still need to roll the dice to see if a model was slain. So on a one, a model slain, I believe, or it, it is a mortal wound, one or the other. Uh, on a two to a five, you get plus one to hit on that unit. Um, and then on a six, you get plus one to hit. And also you get a four plus invulnerable save, I believe. I'm going to check right now. So uh, give me two seconds. Uh, massive doom. Yeah, four plus invulnerable save as well. Yeah. And it is, yeah, one model on that unit is destroyed if you roll a one. So, I mean, cool. that was brilliant. Um, again, having Death Company, if you do roll that six with a four plus invulnerable save, knocking about... You know, they're pretty good. So, um, and then you've got obviously Lamartes as well, but the, uh, you've obviously got the other plus two to charge, but really when I look at this, um, I don't actually have any chaplains in my list. None of them made the cut, um, because like I said, they're so fierce for that top spot in Ashtarath was an auto include for me. And now it's not because I feel like with so many plus ones to hit now, I don't need the reroll misses. Cause as you pointed out a captain or Dante with reroll ones and reroll misses is enough, especially with quake bolts and plus two charge. I mean, I'm already getting a plus one anyway. So do I even need the extra plus one, especially if I take the relic for the plus two move? Yeah, you might have enough movement in the locker already. So I don't need one. So no, and I, you know, I'm a guy that used to run Lamartes and Astarath, and now I've got no chaplains. It's controversial. It is controversial, mate, yeah. All right, cool. So we've uh, we've covered all the, the character-buffing abilities there. So let's, let's let's get on to some stratagems. Obviously, quite a wide plethora of um, stratagems are in this book. Lots um, you'd recognise from the previous edition that have made the transition across into the new codex, and I think... Some of the great stratagems that are in the eighth edition book have made it to keep that um, to keep their uniqueness and flavour, which I'm, I'm quite happy to see. Yeah, they've been they've been toned down a bit. The stratagems, I feel. Yeah, I agree. And I think there's 17 new stratagems, but some of them you already know, like give a warlord another warlord trait and stuff like that. Give us give a sergeant a relic. Um, so those warlord traits that you've seen in other books are still in this book. Um, so I'm not going to cover those. I'm going to cover the most specific um, stratagem solely for the Blood Angels, okay? So the first one I want to talk about is Descent of Angels. This is how to change. Descent of Angels used to be, I mean, I'm never good with names, but I think Descent of Angels used to be you get a 3D six-inch charge roll. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's no longer what it is anymore, unfortunately, but it's changed. It's one CP, and when that unit comes down... Um, from reserve, you get plus one to hit on the turn it arrives, and that's in the shooting phase and in combat. And also you ignore, or you can ignore, it's, it's the prudent word there, you can ignore 
any modifiers to your charge roll. So obviously you don't have to ignore your plus one to charge, but if there was, I don't know, you were charging a grav tank and they decided to use the stratagem for minus two, you can ignore the minus two, get your plus one, because you can choose to ignore them. So uh, yeah, you would be just on your eight inch charge, or if you had a chaplain nearby, it'd be a seven if you got the plus two litany off. So I think it's nice. I think it's good. And for one TP, what's not to like about, about yeah. that one? Yeah. No, I think it's great. I think the, the I think the three D six charge gave you such a reliable charge from deep strike. Um, that there's almost like the zero is almost zero risk in doing it, which is not a good place for the game design. That you can do a three D six charge from deep strike and jump up and jump back down, all that kind of tricks you could do. So I'm glad to see that three D six go. It's still a reliable charge from combat, and they've obviously changed it, so it gives you other buffs elsewhere. So I think, I think that's a positive chain for the game, really, that one. Yeah, and might, we might see that with Bloodletters and all sorts that have their similar sort of ability. Yeah. So yeah. the next one is called Refusal to Die. Um, this is, used to have it in Death Company um, before, and it's a 5 plus feel no pain. So they get their 6 plus, so their 6 plus goes to a 5 plus. Now, this wasn't great before because obviously there's so much that is damage to out in the game. Uh, and you mean you had to roll a double five in order to obviously for a model to survive. But now with two wounds, having a five plus feel no pain is incredible. Now they have changed it slightly. It is one CP if you've got five models and if you're over five, it's two CPs. So you're going to have to think very, you know, you know, you have to think carefully when you use it. But I think it's a nice one. Yeah, I really like that one. Yep. Um, you've got the Angel's uh, Sacrifice. And I really like this one. This is, I think it's an epic deed stratagem in Dante. I keep banging on about him, but he can do an epic deed stratagem for free. Um, and basically, Angel Sacrifice means that everybody that is in combat with that character who is who can and, it, and is eligible to fight must put their attacks on him. Nice. So if you've got that unit of sanguinary guard you need to protect or that unit of incursors that are on an objective or whatever, or maybe they're in combat with, um, you know, your librarian or your sanguinary priest that you don't want to die because he's your warlord and they took the warlord killing one or something. I don't know, but it's nice to have in your pocket. And I think that is a stratagem which I think could be utilized. And when you've got Dante with a two plus four plus and he's got, you know, loads of wounds and he's an inbuilt minus one to hit. Maybe that's enough just to go, cool, well, he shrugs off the hits and, uh, yeah, I'm now going to hit you yeah, back. Yeah, like, like, like immediate application for that is um, all boys, you know, with no AP is a good example. Yeah, you can throw your attacks at Dante, then minus one to hit, you got no re-rolls, and then you, you're bouncing off to a palmer safe. It's, it, it's, it's, it's very situational, but it's, it, it could, could become really clutch when you need it. And also, it will mean that the the models that are within engagement range, depending on where you've positioned them, this is where the skill of the player comes in, um, you could draw those attacks away. And if you place them in such a place, which means you could even limit the amount of attacks coming in anyway. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting, yeah. I think, that one. Cool. What's your next one? Now, this next one was the one I wanted to talk to you about. So, basically, it's where you can give a sergeant a relic. Yep. Now, does that mean you can take an additional relic. So you get your free relic. You can spend the other yeah. stratagem from the Space Marine book to take two additional relics, right? Yeah. Because you can take that twice in a strike force. Now, does this mean you can unlock a fourth stratagem if you take this one? A fourth relic. Um, sorry, yeah, a fourth stratagem. It, uh, sorry, a fourth right, relic it, it, with the stratagem. It, it's, a, it's a different stratagem, isn't it? It's a, it's a different stratagem, yeah. Yeah, because you get your one 
then the, there's the, the stratagem which says to take additional relics but it says you can only use this twice because of strike four size games doesn't it mm-hmm. and then this is a different stratagem so i don't see any issues with that yeah okay cool so in that and case because there's no overall restriction to the number of relics that you can take in a force yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like this one because um, now I don't need to choose over because Quake Bulks is one of those little uh, one of the options. So uh, yeah, oh, now, okay, nice. now I can take all four relics. Perfect. Now I don't even need to choose. They're just in all <laughs> of them. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I like that a lot um, because I can just put that on one of my incursor boys and he can just go, Pow-pow, you know, that. Uh, yeah, cool. Plus one to hit lads. Yeah. Cheers. Thank you. Really, really nice. Or I could potentially put it on, um, it has to be a bolt weapon, but I mean, I'll find something. Anyway, so uh, yeah, I like it. So next up, we've got the red um, rampage. Um, at first I thought, oh, this is great, extra AP in turn three uh, for one CP every time you roll a six. But I was like, when am I ever going to need to be minus five? Because if you're a Blood Angel player, and you're taking Sanguinary Guard, the sword is the way forward. And a lot of people have said to me, no, 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 Steve, axes are better, but trust me, swords are the way forward. Um, so, again, I'll cover that. Is that, Go on. is that the stratagem that goes across your whole army? So if you're running like an Assault Intercessor spam, because you'll be an Assault Doctor and you'd be AP2, wouldn't you, Stark? You would. And then your sixes to wound would become AP3. Yeah. For one CP, if you had Lead of Assault Intercessors, that's decent. You know, um, so it just depends on your build, doesn't it? But if you're carrying, as you as you said, recent regard of load of power source, which are going to be AP four assault doctor in any way, you don't need it. But um, it, it could definitely, if you did fancy taking um, chainsaw spam, basically because assault intercessors or, or death company or whatever, it's it's pre- it's pretty good bang for your buck on that one CP. Yeah, no, I agree. For the, for one CP, if you need to lay the hammer blow, no, no pun intended, you're uh, yeah. you're going to be you're going to be doing it. Yeah. So, uh, but again, like with your thunder hammers, they lost that, they lost the point of AP. You know, getting them up to AP four and the wound roll was six and turn three might might be decent. I think I think it's good. It, it, it as you say, it depends on what your army build is and if you actually need additional AP on top of the assault doctrine at that point. Anyway, um, but uh, no, I like it. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. So next up, um, we've got, this is my favourite one. Um, use, oh, I know it's your favourite one. Use this one so many times and it is so good. And there is a slight nerf to it. Um, it was weird because in the index, it came out as three CPs, uh, but actually was all units. And now it's just Sanguinary Guard can use this one. They can heroically intervene as if they were a character six inches for one CP. And it is Sanguinary Guard only. Bargain doesn't work with Vanguard Vets, it doesn't work with Death Company, yeah. but this is another reason why you have to be taking Sanguinary Guard for me. Um, yeah, so good. What yeah. a great stratagem that is. And when you want to kill people off objectives, when you want that free extra movement, yeah, you know, I'm now starting to be a Space Wolf, so yeah, I think super good. So, and I know how much you love that one as well, mate. Oh, at least you're only doing Sanguinary Guard now, so uh, I'll still, I'll, I can at least still forget about it just as much then. <laughs> yeah so the next one is fallen fury um it's back it's for the death company and this is a pre-game move it's one or two cps it used to be a flat two but if you're only taking a little small man unit um it is only one cp now but obviously if you're taking more than five it is two um which if you're taking death company that's the way forward in, in my opinion and basically 
you can select one death company unit, as I said, and you can move up to 12 as if it was your movement phase, but must end that move more than nine inches away from enemy models. So that's new. Um, I didn't, I think you could go wherever you wanted before and uh, you could actually move. Ah, okay, that's interesting. That's a nerf. Yeah, and also I cannot, so before I could advance, so before I could move yeah. 12, um, and if I had the, um, obviously I'd get my advance uh, plus one, so I'd make my advance roll, and if I rolled a six, I'd be moving 19 inches pre-game, so now it is only 12. Yeah. But um, I think you're right, because it, it, infiltrating units stop that off now. Yeah. Which is, which is, I think it's the identical wording to the Raven Guard equivalent, actually. Yeah. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah, you can do it. Your, you can also do it with your dreadnought, mate. Oh well, don't you worry about that. I'm a full death company dreadnought. Can I fall on fury? Yeah. Is it just death company unit? Straight in my basket. <laughs> <laughs> I've just spent six dropping six EP before the game to move a set of dreadnoughts up six inches. Seems worth it to me. I mean, it doesn't say that you can only use it once. So uh, <laughs> it's two CPs, but go for it, mate. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll have a little bit of think about that one. Yeah. <laughs> Next week on the show, right. Jack talks you through his death, uh, his dreadnought list. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's how many listens we're going to be getting, I tell you. Anyway, um, so oh, let's turn that off. Thank you. Uh, thank you, crickets. Yeah, all right. Okay, now let's move on. Right, okay. Upon so, wings of fire. Upon wing, it's, it's still there. It, yeah, upon wings of fire. Again, slight nerf. You cannot come down in the same turn in which you did it. Oh, really? Oh, um, I'm happy with that. Yeah. So use any movement phase. Select the Blood Angel core unit uh, with a jump pack and remove from the battlefield. In your reinforcements of your next movement phase, you can set up anywhere on the battlefield that is uh, more than nine inches away from enemy models. So um, now it does mean, little clutch moment here, if you're in combat, you can just wings upon fire out. Um, so that's not a fullback move. So no. you could upon winds of fire your death company if you were in combat and you didn't want to be there. I don't know if that ever if that situation ever appears, but um, it, which it might like you might get a unit of guardsmen tag into you, and you didn't have enough attacks yeah. to kill them. I don't know, but yeah. anyway. But it, it used to be two CP, didn't it as well? Yeah, it's now one. Yeah. So the abilities got slightly worse, but then the CP cost has also come down. So that's fair enough. It's still it's still a useful ability, especially if you're looking at engaging all fronts, or you know you can't get to the back of someone, or they've left your opponent's going to leave a back pocket for you to deep strike into later. It's still a useful, still a very useful tool. Yeah. And then, oh, absolutely. And then the last one is called chalice overflowing because that's exactly what you want from your chalice is obviously for it to be overflowing. And you're basically, your priest um, can put, uh, use a strategy when you command phase, select one priest. That model can use the blood chalice ability one more time that phase. And basically, the sanguinary priest who I told you about earlier, who's like basically our apothecary, um, his ability. Um, so he also gives you a six plus fill no pain aura within three of him. What? Oh, he's an apothecary, yeah. Yeah, badass. Um, he can obviously restore people uh, with, you know, D3 wounds, etc. In your command phase, select one friendly Blood Angel core or Blood Angel character unit, excluding vehicle units. Sorry, mate, no Dreadnoughts for you. Um, <laughs> uh, within six of the model... Uh, and, a, dread, a Dreadnought's core? Yeah, but it says excluding vehicle units. 
oh, I'm not interested, stop talking, let's move on. Yeah. So within six <laughs> until the start of your next command phase, if it's if the tactical doctrine or devastated doctrine is active for your army, then each time a model in that unit makes an attack, the assault doctrine is considered to be active for that attack instead. So again, does that mean that Savage Echoes also applies or not? Yeah, there's been discussion on this kind of topic, isn't there? It's not it's not particularly clear if you get the full benefits of being in Doctrine or is it just meant to be the additional AP? Mm. Just need, I think that just needs a bit of clarification. But it's good to see that you've uh, you got another reason to take Apothecary because you think you were struggling to get into a, a Space Marine list, to be honest. So... Uh, <laughs> It's, uh, I'm glad he's got that little little boost to get him into the list. I mean, he is a HQ for me, though, and he does... Um, but he can take a jump pack. Of course he can. Yeah, and that's what you're definitely taking. Because yeah. so he's got to keep up with the army, obviously. So uh, he's in the list. He's an auto-include for me. So having some overflowing chalice is nice. Um, so that pretty much wraps up the stratagems. Um, now, the other thing that, obviously, the Blood Angel get is the additional... Um, uh, what are they called? Secondary picks and obviously the faction-specific secondaries, so they can access the Adeptus Astartes one and also the Blood Angels one. At first glance, I wasn't really blown away by them, um, and I'm not. we're not going to cover them today uh, because actually I want to playtest for them first before I give you my, um, you know, are they good, are they not opinion. Because um, I found recently, it's been a bit of a, um, I don't know, but there's been a lot of chat about tournaments not using the uh, faction-specific secondaries recently. Okay. And I, it was my standpoint anyway that I think we need to trust Games Workshop and just let them do what they want to do as I feel like the game is moving forward in such a way that they're clearly intended to be played for match play. Um, and I believe, in my opinion, we should be using them. Um, now, I appreciate not all armies... Have, and this is a topic in itself. We could probably debate it until, you know, you could say, oh, but not all codexes are out yet and not everybody has a secondary option, um, you know, to pick from. But, I mean, some codexes are well old anyway and they've got old units, so... It's just one of those things. At what point do you say I'll bring them in? But um, I'm so I want to save all the discussions around secondaries, uh, faction specific or not, um, until a later show, um, and we can discuss that in in more detail. But I think yeah, for now I'm, I'll review them at a later stage. Some of them look okay, but again, there's some that are so situational that are going to be very. They might be good in a narrative game because they are like quite, oh yeah, I sort of did my epic thing I had to do, but you're probably not taking it in a competitive match anyway, because it's not reliable enough. So anyway, what's next? So I'm not sure if you want to cover this this topic or the sort of units you Blood Angels want to include and why. Um, I think that's the part of the masterclass that I believe you wanted to cover that off in a bit more detail. So uh, have you got a list, any list ideas to, to go with this to just kind of put some of this stuff that we just, discuss tonight into a bit of context for the listeners yeah so i think when you come to let, oh, let's go over some of the main aspects um in terms of just generic advice for lists you want to be taking things that heavily lean into combat so we need to look at the hqs and again the masterclass i'll go over the strengths and weaknesses of the army and from that point you can hopefully analyze your core list and then add in the hqs you feel like are going to support your choice the most um, so whether that's a captain, whether that's a lieutenant, chaplain, a librarian, etc., etc., um, I'm going to go over all of that in the masterclass. But 
You have three HQ choices, whether you go chaplain or whatever, totally up to you, but make sure they're fitting for the rest of your army. So when we look at the troops, um, you can go heavy on the assault intercessors, you know, but the problem is with them, they're not really going to benefit too much from um, the Blood Angel's ability to get extra inches on jump packs in some of the goodness there. They can't access some of the stratagems because they don't have a jump pack. Um, So again, are the assault intercessors a good option for the blood angels? Yes, they can be. um, But are they the best? Probably not. You know, do you want to be going for shooting ones again? Probably not. So I really like incursors um, and I really like infiltrators. Their job role for me is to gain the middle ground and to protect the characters because they're already like forward. So they've already made their movements up pre-game. And I can put them in a position, which means I can just tuck my characters in behind them to make sure that I'm getting the lookout, sir, while my, while they then buff the rest of the combat units that then go forward. So I really like incursors and I really like infiltrators because infiltrators can basically stop your opponent from getting anywhere near you. Um, So if there's a couple of pockets that you know you need to be deep striking into, um, it can stop your opponent from deep striking within you to then stop you deep striking into them. So it's a bit of a deep strike game. So yeah, for me, infiltrators and cursors either way is a pretty good option. I think I probably wouldn't look at some of the other options. Um, I just don't think they're as competitive personally. Um, So then when we get into the elite section, now you can go heavy sanguinary guard, um, which I've spoke about before, why they're brilliant and they've actually got even better anyway um, in this book. And same with the death company, both are a very good choice. Um, You know, you can go, um, you know, swords on the sanguinary guard or you could go power fists, both are good options. Personally, I think the swords are a good way. Um, and I like repetition, so I like a unit to have exactly the same loadout. Um, it means dice rolling much faster. It means that you get very used to the repetitive nature of understanding what that army or you, sorry that unit can reliably do on a consistent basis. So when you're using, you know, the same unit over and over again, you get an idea for how many swords do what, and that's really useful as a tactician. Um, so. Yeah, you've got Sanguinary Guard you could go with, you could go Death Company, you go a bit of a mix of the two. Um, you could go Vanguard Vets, Vanguard Vets with a Storm Shield and a Lightning Claw is a great combo, or a Storm Shield and a Power Fist is another good option, especially with Quake Bolts, plus one to hit, rerolls from Dante or Chapter Master, whatever. Um, you know, that's good. The Sanguinary Guard get an additional plus one to hit as well. So all of a sudden their Power Fists could be back hitting on twos again because you could be minus one with two plus two or, or whatever. So you're back hitting on twos with Power Fists. So um, you know, you could go either way, jump pack Vanguard Vets, jump pack Death Company, jump pack Sanguinary Guard, any way is a good way. Um, and then when your fast attack opens up, Outriders are good for Blood Angels. I mean, they get a, a ridiculous amount of attacks anyway, and you're throwing in even more um, with obviously the Savage Echoes when they get to turn three. So yeah, Outriders are good. You could also go heavy on or just some little units of Assault Marines. They're also a good little option now. And a lot of people haven't even looked at the Assault Marines. Um, So, yeah, it's just got so many options you could play with this. 
So in terms of the masterclass, we're going to be covering a lot more of this in detail in terms of that SWOT analysis of looking at the strengths and weaknesses and the combinations. And then also what we're going to be doing on the academy is looking at like what secondaries you should be taking, the army actually in action, some top character combinations. And obviously I go into a lot more detail about units, how to deploy it, and also most importantly, how to beat the Blood Angels week. Um, as well. And then I'll also give you a weekly feedback. And if you do want to join the Academy, we've got a seven day trial at the moment for $2.99 for that trial period. Um, and you can access that on our blog page, which is www.vanguardtactics.com forward slash blog forward slash S2 EP15. So um, yeah, that's everything to look forward to yeah. for the masterclass in the Academy. So what's next, Jack? So the last thing we just want to cover was a couple of questions from the listeners, wasn't it? So I've, I've just started my B, uh, Blood Angels Army a few weeks ago. Beside Vanguard Vets, Second Regard, Death Company and Incursors, what are some of the units that have synergies? Um, well, I mean, the I think I've kind of answered that one previously. Um, so, yes. you know, Infiltrators you could look at. Um, and there's another unit I want to talk about, which uh, is actually the next question. So, um, like I said, okay. if, if you... You could go Assault Marines. I, have, I really like the Assault Marines, um, so they could be an option. Now they get the extra attack, uh, sorry, the extra wound, and also they get the Chainsword, like, you know, the extra buffs that Astartes Chainsword to get. For a really yep. cheap, fast unit that can just run in, and if you've got a Warlord trait with Obsec nearby, you know, who doesn't want a fast attack options that are quite yeah. cheap and cheerful? So I think they could be a good option as well. Yeah, just to, just to say, these questions that we picked up are, have come through our Discord, which um, you've just upgraded, haven't you, Steve? Yep, so we've just had a massive rehaul on the Discord, and we're actually going to open up the Vanguard, the Vanguard Tactics Discord to you guys as a bit of a thank you for you know joining in each week, listening, um, and we can chat about things. So anything me and Jack get wrong, we can discuss it in there. You can post your questions, and all links to join our Discord are going to be on that blog page as well. Like I said, it's completely for free, um, and we just want to build a community of like-minded people. So uh, yeah, if you want to join our community, then uh, as long as you behave yourselves, we'll uh, we'll let you in. <laughs> yeah, and we'll just touch on this last question here because this is. Uh this is something I detected you, I think, yesterday um, that popped into my brain, and uh, I'm clearly on the same wavelength as uh, as this as as one of the guys in the Discord channel. So, Inceptors, but they look decent with Wings of Fire. What do you think about bringing those in the Blood Angels list, even though they are not combat close combat based unit? Yeah. Now, this is um, a question that obviously I've normally said: if you're shooting a gun in a Blood Angel armor, you're playing it wrong. Um, so. Uh, I'm going to eat my words and as a, I'm going to say evidence-based player, um, as a uh, coach, I'm an evidence-based coach where I look at the evidence and looking at the evidence inceptors with upon wings of fire and also Dante rerolls plasma inceptors coming in from reserve. They've still got a jump pack. Uh, they're still a space Marine. They, they still get a boatload of attacks, um, with a six plus feel no pain, plus one to hit, uh, plasma guns. I mean, what's not to like about that? And I think for it can plug a little gap that maybe the the Blood Angels have potentially struggled with in the past. So very I've, good pick, I think. I've just painted six myself. So um, and again, you can <laughs> you can combine that with some other stratagems I'll talk about um, when we go over my list in more detail over on the masterclass. But there are other options that you could look at. Suppressors could be good from their changes now. Whirlwinds could have some play. Uh, but again, all about focusing on how do we look at the army and units with 
you know, opportunities to potentially get the army out of some of its weak links. Uh, so when you are going to a tournament, you can take a really well-rounded list. And obviously that's something that we really want to help you with develop further um, if you choose to join us on the academy. But um, yeah, anyway, so that's if you... Uh, want to have your questions answered you can join the discord we'll pick the best ones every week and remember guys if you do like the podcast please give us a review over on itunes spotify wherever you're listening we really appreciate it It helps us grow um as a channel and uh, reach more people so again jack thank you so much for the show thanks thanks again it was an absolute pleasure Yep, and thank you for you guys who are listening. And remember, Masterclass Sunday, the 6th of December at 2 p.m. All the details are over on that blog page, which you can find on our website, w.vanguardtactics. And uh, remember, there's that stream game where you can see the Blood Angels in action. And let's hope I win so I can actually show you what they do. But anyway, um, yeah, (laughs) once again, guys, thanks so much. And we'll see you next week on the Competitive 40K Podcast. Take care.